Future Hacker Life Path Future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Future Hacker. I'm your host, Maria Taigi, and this episode is part of our Young Hackers project, in which we'll be talking to amazing young guests between the age of 12 and 20 years old. The Young Hackers series is a partnership between Future Hacker and Singular, a unique learning platform on exponential technologies that empowers the next generation to create real and responsible impact by working with the technologies of the future. Young Hackers will be able to collaborate with Singular's digital channel and will get to publish their blogs, articles, and also have an opportunity to be selected as Singular ambassadors with special discounts on the courses. So today we're talking to Alice Heyman. Alice is a curious high school student from Sweden with a burning passion for programming and the natural sciences. She started to teach programming when she was 15 years old. Can you believe that? Since then, she's been involved in getting programming into the Swedish educational curriculum, being part of a startup working with carbon offsetting and helped students in her school study more efficiently. She's a member of the Swedish national team of young scientists with her research project on artificial intelligence that has taken her to science competitions in four continents. How cool is that? So today she works together with the Swedish researchers at AI Sweden to explore the exciting possibilities of language models. Hi, Alice. It's amazing to have you with us today. How are you doing? Hello, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing so good today. <laughs> it's really cool. You know, you have a really cool background. So, you know, let's start as the usual way. Just tell our listeners about your journey and whatever, like like your family, the way you grew up, anything you could share with us that made you the you know amazing girl you are today. Yeah, sure. So, well, I grew up in Stockholm, Sweden, and I guess I've always been like fascinated by by the world around us, I remember just sitting on, like, in the parks, just watching these hot air balloons and being just so baffled about, like, how can something so large as a hot air balloon float in something so light as air? And I was like, how does this function? And I remember my dad then taking the time to explain to me about density and how, like, oh, well, you heat up the air, it gets lower density and that's why it can start float and I was like whoa that really blew me away that this principle of density could all of a sudden explain so much around me so then I really got into the natural sciences and learning how things work and being really just inquisitive and exploring and that's also why I've been like exploring on my bike going around in the forest and Doing all these activities and like being a detective, I, I kind of wanted to be a detective when I was a bit younger and watch a lot of Scooby-Doo and really went involved, <laughs> involved in that. But then I went to this um, summer camp um, during the summer where you have the programming. So it was one of Sweden's first like summer programming camps. And I went to that and then I was just completely like hooked on this coding when I made my first program. It was sort of like a Hilo game that you had to guess the number to get correct. So you had to guess the correct number between one and 1,000. Then it gave you some clues like, oh, guess lower or guess higher. And it was just so cool that you actually like had the power to make something yourself, to actually be able to create your own program and your own thing from scratch. 
because I really see um, coding as a very creative thing. Just like you can paint and you have your brush and you have your paintings. Coding for me, that, that was my form of painting. It was like, yeah, I got a keyboard instead of my brush and the programs, they are my paintings. But the thing about these paintings is that they can solve problems, right? They can be interactive and they can really do stuff. So, you know, when you learn something cool and you just have to tell others about it. Well, th that was also like, as soon as I came back from the summer camp, I just wanted to like teach all my friends about coding and I'm like, like, this is so cool. You have to try this out. And I guess I just understood that more and more, like how much technology we actually have around us, especially in Sweden, it's really everywhere. In every lamppost, there's a computer regulating when it should be on or off or, at school, we use computers to do our schoolwork, or we have computers everywhere, really. And it was just this part of society that I haven't really seen before, like all the things that actually go on behind the screen. So with my dad, he worked as a pilot first, and that's kind of why the hot air balloons, I suppose. And he was also very interested in computers and radio telecommunication. So he really inspired me to to keep on going and gave me also resources for pursuing coding. So I took some courses after school and kept on going and then started working for this programming summer camp to teach others about programming as well. And then on my other side, my mom is a lawyer. So you kind of had this split and the found that you had both the social sciences and the natural sciences. And it was really nice to be able to then combine those things and use them. So like I was really fascinated by the Swedish language or just language in general. And then how can we use statistics or natural science to then analyze language, like how we use and write. And that's kind of what I what I did in my in my project. And that took me to the Swedish national team. Listen, I absolutely love your passion and excitement talking about that. And you know, the way you talk about programming, I do hope that is going to inspire more girls to get interested and search for more information and try it, right? It's absolutely lovely the way you talked about, you know, using it as your brush, but you know, having the plus that are actually solving something. <laughs> it's the best, like the best definition ever. So thank you for that. And I do hope that it gets into many girls' ears. Let's spread the word. So, you know, let's let's dive into your project. So, as you told me, like, you used your free time, basically, like your Christmas break, to start creating your very own projects, which you applied to the National Science Fair. So, what was that about? Yeah, sure. So, I took, like, Introduction to Artificial Intelligence course on the free platform edx.org. And the last chapter was called, like, NLP, or Natural Language Processing. And this is all about using programming to analyze language. And I was thinking like, how can I apply this? And can I apply it? So what I did was I used then statistical models to analyze the emotions of words. So more specifically, also then gendered words such as woman and man or he and she. So I took like a lexicon of 6,000 words that previous scientists had labeled with different emotions. So for example, they have labeled the word beautiful to be really positively charged. And maybe you have um, the word horrendous and it really had these other emotions that are not that positive. 
And then I looked like how often do we use masculine and feminine terms in conjunction with these other words? And then to see like, okay, but do we use feminine terms or masculine terms more in different settings? And then I looked at around 5,000 books published between 1830 and 1930 and see like if there was a trend over time. And then what I saw was that the positivity and negativity was quite similar, but that masculine terms were more linked with trust and that the word mistress was most linked with um, sadness, which was quite um, to be expected, I suppose, with just like the sadness part. Okay, that's super interesting. And I thought, and then you have, you mentioned to me also about this current project of yours, which is related to air pollution. So what are you working on this matter that is super relevant nowadays, right? Yeah, because after the science competitions with this natural language processing project, what I, what I realized and what people said at the panels that, you know, it's all about trying to make a change like in your community or like how can you, instead of taking the whole world like on you and like how can I solve the climate crisis? Like how can I make a change for my family or my friends? Or so I was thinking like how can you use programming to analyze something in my, in my community? So in Stockholm, we have, we have a very large network of public transport and subways. So a lot of people I think around like 500,000 people, it's like crazy how many people use the subway every day. So something everyone uses, but the air pollution and the air quality in the subway stations are not that great. So when the trains go by, you get all these iron particles coming up and you have particles from the outside air coming into the subway stations. So me and my classmates, uh, what we did, that we borrowed some sensors from two universities in Stockholm. So KTH and Stockholm University. And then we built these um, plates. So we put six sensors on one plate to take like the average of them. And then we jumped off and on every station on the green line or one of the subway lines in Stockholm. And then we measured the air pollution at these different stations. And we're right now in the process of analyzing this data, but we're already actually seeing some trends. For example, all stations that are outside seem to have lower air pollution than the stations inside. That's interesting. So now that now you're on the stage of analyzing that. So and what's the plan? What's next for this project? Yeah, so based on what we're finding, and we're also trying to ask, ask around, ask for help on like the error analysis, like can we draw any conclusions from this data? But if we find something, we already found some stations that seem to be like the worst station or the hotspots. And if we can see that these are these results are statistically significant, we will definitely send them into those ones who run the Stockholm subway. And we will also probably send them to the people, like the companies having guards in the subway. Because it's one thing for people who are going like everyday commuting, but you only spend a couple of minutes on the station, but just think of those like the guards at the stations that can spend hours down in the tunnels, and that might be really harmful. Yeah, that's great. You know, just keep us posted about the development of that. Also, you mentioned to me that you have these study techniques workshops. Yeah, right. So I'm really interested just in how we learn and just like the educational system and how we can improve it to to learn more efficiently, right? And definitely there's a lot of problems with maybe stress in school that you have a lot to do. 
then I kind of did this research shows and for like two years, I've been really interested in like productivity or how can we use the latest brain research to help us become better students and be able to learn quicker and learn better so we can use what we learn in school and also then remember it. So I had five workshops. And so anyone at the school could just pop by and uh, attend. And we, what we did was we combined and this research about how you can like active recall and spaced repetition, but also how we can more actually apply these principles by using tools and technology. And, and there are a lot of productivity apps that you can use that you can then use to aid your learning. And there's a lot of tools that people have developed. So we're trying to combine these things to well become better students. That's really cool, Alice. So you know what? You are my very first young hacker that is lucky to be raised in a developed country. But still, you did mention to me that STEM subjects are also dominated by men in our region. So what's your view regarding the access to technology versus the challenge to increase girls' interest in this topic? Because, you know, usually we think that, oh, it's a lack of access, but it's a lack of education. That's not the case, right? So we all know how diversity plays an important role into driving us to this more inclusive future, you know, and to have unbiased AI and, and machine learning. So what's your view on that? So what do you think are the reasons and do you see any way out? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I mean, I'm really grateful that I have had the access to all these tools, but it's also a challenge then to, even though you have the access, it can be really hard to know where to start. And I suppose because the SEM subjects have been dominated by men, it has also been maybe an extra step for a lot of girls to see themselves in that position that we might have this thought that, oh, maybe I cannot do it, or maybe it's too hard. But I think really that it's about starting and we're really now also seeing that we're building a more inclusive community and especially when we're talking about getting inclusive technology and inclusive AI, this is exactly what we need, like to build this community with people from all places and from all different backgrounds. So I definitely think it's programming and technology, it's not that you have to know it from the start, right? It's about learning and, and a lot of people that I've met in university that didn't know anything about coding and then started doing it. They have said that it's, you know, it's a very gradual process. You learn everything on the way and then you learn how to do it. So it is not as scary as you first thought. And I think it really is important well, like with the AI aspect as well to be able to get these unbiased or to break biases in our algorithms. It's all about getting as many perspectives as possible. So exactly, yeah. And I mean, that can sometimes, like just your unique perspective could a lot of times be much more important than some kind of knowledge or on a scale that you know this or this much. Just that you have a unique perspective that you're, for example, that you're young or that you're a woman or that you come from this country or this continent, or you just have been exposed to different situations that no one else have, because we're all like a mixture, like a unique mixture that, you know, no one is the same. So just having that perspective makes you so much like so valuable in, in like in our STEM fields, like no matter like the factual knowledge that you have. 
Yeah, so you know, girls, let's get out there. Let's try it, right? <laughs> we have to do a calling. Okay, so let's talk about education. Uh, you are clearly passionate for learning. So how how do you see the future of education? We have been discussing a lot how you know the current model, you know, at least in most countries are kind of outdated, right? You just sit and watch and and, and learn and, and we are becoming increasingly interactive. Knowledge is no longer concentrated as it were in the past. So, you know, education must keep up with it. How do you envision the future of education? Yeah, I definitely think that we need to go from more passive to, well, active learners and definitely maybe implement more project-based learning that we get to do stuff a lot earlier than we do. For example, in Sweden, the first real big project that you do on your own is in your last year of high school. But we really need to get going and actually make people or make youths understand that you can contribute from the start and almost flip upside down on the views on who can conduct research. I mean, there's often this notion that you have to go through elementary school, high school, college, they need to get the PhD, and then you can start doing scientific research. But I think really that we need to flip upside down on that viewpoint and really see that everyone and anyone can do research and make a difference today. And the educational system should really reflect that and be instead of this long process that you need to go through and then come out to like the cutting edge to almost see it that you learn all these stuff along the way, but you also have this connection with what's going on right now in the fields so that people can right from the start just apply what we have and start making a difference. And so and what's your view about like future in general, right? So, you know, most people we talk are I think that's a good thing. They're pretty optimistic and see our humanities evolution with a good lenses. Some of them are more skeptical and think it's a little, you know, too late. And the way technology is developing is is very exclusive. Like it's really hard to have a more sustainable society. So I'd love to see, especially from the young hackers, like you guys are the ones ruling the world, like in, in the coming decades, right? So, and you sound such a passionate, like a, such a passionate girl. You sound very optimistic. What's your view about our future in general? Yeah, I'm, although we have a lot of challenges still to face, I'm still very positive for all the things like when I've gone to these there's so many good people and great people doing so much work around the world. And we already have so many solutions. Like often you, you have the solution, but I think that's a lot of problems or like the challenges are also just getting these solutions into society, integrated and actually used by people. And there I also think that it will be really important moving forward with science communication and building this bridge between scientists and engineers and lawmakers and policymakers to really get the results and the technology that we are producing to get it out and actually used. Because right now it's that we have a lot of solutions, but we're just not being used. Yeah, in many places, policies are still defined by personal agendas, unfortunately, instead of really uh, having that bridge is brilliant. But let me ask you something. If there were one thing in this world you would like to be able to change through technology, what would it be? Like, what's your dream project? 
So my, I guess my dream project right now is developing artificial general intelligence to work beside human researchers to show us kind of, you know, new patterns and a new view of our universe that us humans couldn't even have imagined before that we can build algorithms with AI or with other types of algorithms and systems to go through all the data that we have access to and give us new insights in how the universe works or give us new insights in how to solve problems and really be this system that can help us and really accelerate our research and our ability to solve problems. And I think that would be so, so cool. That really sounds really cool. You're basically saying figuring out solutions that we couldn't possibly imagine without the use of, of, of technology for that. So lastly, lastly, do you have any advice for the young people out there? They're interested, not only girls, you know, for anyone that is interested to venture into STEM subjects, but doesn't really know how to start. You know, as you comment, there are so many ways, there are so many doors. So what's your advice? I would say my advice is to really start small and first ask yourself, like, how can you make a difference for like your family or your friends or your just your local community? Like if you can find a problem around you that you think that, oh, this one I might be able to solve. So find a problem in your local community and really have that as a goal. And then you can use for example, go to the library, maybe you can borrow a computer, and then you can start to research on how you can might be able to solve this problem. And if you want to do technology and coding, there's a lot of resources out there. You can maybe try one hour of code on Khan Academy, take a course on Free Code Camp or Code Academy. But be more specific, use this then problem or project to guide you and to be like the guiding light. So it's to so always have a purpose with what you're learning because it's not really about trying to learn everything at once. So if you have this project that you can work towards, your efforts will be more directed and it will be easier to find information. And also tend to not be scared of asking for help. Ask for guidance and see how other people, so where you want to be, ask them, how did they get there? How did they do? And what have they learned on the way? So really ask people, find something that you might be able to solve and find this problem, and then you can start getting resources from that. Because knowledge alone is not power, as Jim Quick said, it's when you take knowledge and apply it, that really, that's when you have power. So to really find, find the action that you want to take, get the knowledge, and that's where you're gonna be, gonna go. <laughs> that's... Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much, Alice, for being here with us today and for inspiring many people. And you know what? You're now an official young hacker and you're officially part of the Future Hacker Inspiring Community. So I'm sure we are going to be hearing more from you. I'm wishing you all the best. Thank you so much, Maria. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future.